welcome. This is Stan Lee of Marvel Comics warning you to look around you. Your classmates, your friends, you never know which one of them may be a mutant. A person born with strange and wondrous powers. Terrorist mutants who plan to destroy the human race. Mutants. I hate them. It has come to my attention that you have a mutant power. He's a mutant. A stinking mutant. He doesn't deserve to live on the same planet as normal, decent human beings. Get away from me, beast. Don't you remember what it was like when you first discovered you were a mutant? Magneto. Professor X. The X-Men. Stop them! <laughs> no place to hide. No place to run. No place to run. The mutant age. The mutant age has now begun. While you slept, the world changed. These words are broadcast by telepath Charles Xavier around the globe, accompanying his declaration founding the mutant nation of Krakoa, a safe haven where all mutants are not only welcome, but protected. The fledgling nation and island paradise is led by a group of 12 powerful and influential mutant leaders called the Quiet Council and governed by three laws. Protect the sacred land, make more mutants, and murder no man. With the advent of Krakoa comes the Krakoan Gates, organic technology allowing mutants to travel instantaneously across the globe and beyond, and the Five, a group of mutants that work together to resurrect the dead. The rise of a unified mutant nation is accompanied by the rise of Orcus, a group that brings the many enemies of mutants under one banner. The next year, Krakoa is revealed to be one half of a whole. The island's twin returns, bringing with it the long-lost mutant nation of Arako, a broken land defined by eternal struggle. In a single day, the strongest mutants of both nations work together to terraform Mars. After this grand display of power, they declare the reincarnated world, Arako, earning the awe and ire of the human world in equal measure. In the year after that, the ancient and powerful Eternals wage all-out war on the mutants, devastating Arako and bringing Krakoa closer to destruction than ever before. In the wake of all this, Orcus once more rises from the shadows to bring about Krakoa's downfall. And this time, they might just succeed. This week on Hated and Feared, we're preparing for the fall of X. Welcome to my island. See the palm trees waving the wind. Welcome to my island. Hope you like me. Welcome to Hated and Feared. You're about to hear the loud council, not a weed joke. Hello, I'm Janosch. I have made a dozen clones of myself so I can record all these podcasts. Hi, I'm Kiwi. 
I'm, I'm, I'm not doing any clowns. It's just me. <laughs> this is the oldie podcast. Which, which one of the quiet council would you be? Yeah, everyone say like a seat, I guess. It's like, I just want to take Magneto. Just, just the cheap, <laughs> the cheap, easy one. It's like everyone, everyone wants to be Magneto, though. Uh, hi, I am Holly. I would also have chosen Magneto, but instead I'm going to choose Storm. Because um, she's the closest we've got to Magneto right now on the Quiet Council. Um, yeah. And I'm Nick. I'm going to choose Colossus because I don't want to have to think for myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. This week on Hated and Feared, we're going to talk about uh, a little bit of what's been happening in the world of the X-Men and the Krakoan Age before uh, the new Hellfire Gala happens and the fall of X begins. It's gonna fall. X is gonna gonna fall. (laughs) X is gonna fall. X gonna fall it to you. Or is it? It's almost something. (laughs) (laughs) We'll keep trying. Um, yeah, it's not, like, we're doing this whole quiet council, loud council bit, but, man, not looking. Yeah, it's like, who is even on there anymore? (laughs) There's, like, three people on the quiet council. It's, like, it is really mirroring the American, like, uh, Supreme Court right now. It's, like, such a mess, way too much authority, Mm -hmm. and, like, ruining my country, um... And the Quiet Council is easily doing the same thing without any sort of oversight. Written by another guy who is not from your country, so... Yeah, I mean, of course. But unfortunately, America puts itself before everything, and I'm going to do that accidentally all the time on this podcast. That's fantastic. Um, We are... This is is our first episode of your new favorite uh, X-Men podcast, so... You know, this is the one where we're gonna say who we are. Yeah, why do are we doing start, this? Yeah. Yes, I'm. I'm the most. I'm probably the most newcomer here to comics, X Men comics, and stuff like that. I, uh, I was not reading any comics, and then, and then I uh, started playing Marvel Snap, and uh, <laughs> it all started with kind of really this kind entire of pulled podcast. me, yeah. Kind of pulled me into the world of Marvel comics, um, mainly the X Men stuff. I uh, that delights that, me. That's, <laughs> that seemed to be. I mean, there's two reasons why I got into the X Men stuff specifically, or, or one of the reasons would be that I also read The Wicked and the Divine, and uh, saw that Kieran Gunn is doing X Men stuff now. I'm I'm hooting and hollering, but not actually doing it into the mic. But The Wicked and the Divine is my favorite comic book series, so. Yeah, Karen, Karen oh, yeah you're not going to hear me. any disagreements <laughs> here on that. It's, uh, yeah, so I, 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 I read that and then I saw that the X-Men timeline is kind of, it had like this clean break with the houses of, House of X, Powers of X, or Powers of Ten, Houses of Ten, <laughs> however you want to pronounce that. Uh, so I saw it had like a kind of clean start there and it was all manageable to catch up with it. So I did all that. Uh, you know, loved the initial Houses of X. Um, really enjoyed most of Dawn until, like, X of Storms. Uh, and then, you know, we'll talk about it, but 
some series kind of fell off, some shakier ones, um, and that led us to where we are. But that's my, you know, I'm not an X-Men ex- I'm not an X-Men expert, uh, no pun intended there. <laughs> uh, I might get a lot of things wrong, so don't, if, you, if that makes you mad, fuck you. Don't listen to this <laughs> show then. Um, do you also, before we move on, want to explain why we name where you came up with the name Hated and Feared? Because I believe you were the person, correct me if I'm wrong, you were the woman to come up with the name of the show. Well, yes, I did. <laughs> I don't know, I was just bouncing phrases along that describe the X-Men thing well, and Hate and Fear is kind of like a classic, you know, thing that people use to describe the X-Men's place in, or mutants' place in uh, the Marvel society, and weirdly it hasn't been taken yet, there's a podcast name that is still available, so there you go. Yeah, it's it's kind of mad that nobody has has taken it, like... It seems like such an easy, like, slam dunk. Yeah. But I guess that's we, we get to do that then. And we're way too late to call it Pot of Swords, so... <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's an iconic phrase, and I think it really fits the fall of X. It's nice and ominous for... Uh, I believe you mentioned this before, Yanosh, uh, not in this call, but uh, in, in our planning, um, which was that the mutants haven't been hated and feared for a while. They've mostly been envied. And now we potentially will see a return to hated and feared. Yeah, it wasn't me who, I think that's Kiri who said that. Uh, but I, you know, not to take credit for anything. Well, I, I was just stealing it from uh, Kieran Gillen's uh, <laughs> podcast, where I forget what, what episode he was talking about that, but he was like, yeah, that's. The idea of Krakoa was they're not just hated and feared anymore. They're hated, feared, and envied. Yeah. Maybe yeah. envied having a bigger bigger role. Um, and especially after the immortality stuff comes out, then everyone's envious. Um, but yeah, just taking it from him. <laughs> yeah. We'll get into that more. Uh, you want to introduce yourself, Kiwi? You yeah. Talked a bit? Um, I... Like, liked superhero stuff when I was a kid. Uh, didn't have any access to comics, so I used to just read the Marvel wiki, uh, and just uh, like I probably read the entire like page for all of the original X Men, circa two thousand and ten or something. Used to just sit on the family computer and read, and uh, then uh when i was in college i discovered that you could pirate uh comics (laughs) so i was suddenly had them available to me because i didn't have any money to spend on couldn't be spending a fiver on like floppies uh and i read it was just before secret wars so i read as i think almost every marvel series that ended at secret wars uh, which included the big Brian Michael Bendis, uh, like all new X-Men and Uncanny X-Men. Uh, and then after Secret Wars, I also read like every comic that started after Secret Wars. But I think I dropped a, a bunch <laughs> of them. Um, and that was that was the like Inhumans versus X-Men era, oh, I think. My goodness. Uh, what a time. Which everyone, everyone kind of hates now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And then I dropped off comics because reading every comic that came out was not sustainable. It sounds exhausting. I'm amazed you ever did it. (laughs) Yeah, I've been in the same boat before. It's not doable. (laughs) Well, I'm kind of back to it now, though, because, like, in, it was like 2021 or something, one of my cousins was like, hey, did you hear about this X-Men thing? It's It's pretty cool at the minute. Um, so I, uh, downloaded, I'm, I'm just calling, call him Hoxpox because that's how I say it in my head. Yeah. Or House, House of X. Um, and I read like up, all of Dawn, X of Swords and, uh, like however many Reign of X were collected at the time. Cause mm-hmm. I was reading just the full, uh, collected editions. And then I fell off again because there weren't any more of them. And then in last year, I discovered Tachiomi, which is the best way to read comics, not legally. Um, and in, in as far as I'm aware, and it made it so much easier to just be able to like favorite a series and have it in my library and have it update every week and not have to go download comics. And I got way back into it and read all of I think I caught back up just at the start of uh, Destiny of X, basically. It's like a, a year ago now, yeah. And then I've just been... And I re- uh, read New X-Men, like, a couple of months ago. And I've read, like, 20 issues of Claremont X-Men, starting from when he started. But then I kept getting distracted by other stuff, so I didn't... Uh, didn't end up actually I, I need to get back to that and then in the last two weeks i reread like all of the hickman x-men stuff and uh sword immortal Sabretooth, and probably some other stuff just because i've been meaning to for a while and then this was the a good impetus to it like yeah reading a claremont comic is like not something you just do like you're <laughs> not just work. gonna yeah i'm gonna leave reading a few of a, a comic for a bit that's like Okay, now I am, I am going to enjoy some literature. <laughs> well, we'll get into this more later. But like my main criticism with the most recent line is, I feel like they're getting as wordy as Claremont books. <laughs> is is it as wordy as the Marvel Wiki summaries of all the Marvel series? Though that's the real question. No, those are like <laughs> those are books. That's like I was just reading books on on the internet of like. Here's the entire history of Nightcrawler. Oh hell yeah! Like, <laughs> now we have podcasts the Pope for that. One time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm you... finding it so hard to sorry, uh, just just to just to catch up on just just another complaint about how horrible the internet is these days <laughs> is all the wiki pages on like different like there's. It's so hard to just see which writer took over at which point like just basic info right like it's just such a mess you have to have like three pages open you have to have the summaries the lists of like issues and then like also a comics book herald page or like the um uncanny x-men.net open or something yeah um kiki you should have been our captain kate pride of the quiet council you're 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 going you're going to bat for piracy. <laughs> oh yeah, okay, oh, yeah, that works. That works. Um, yeah, please don't snitch on us, by the way, if you're listening to this. Don't be a cop. 
I've, I might bleep out every time we say the name of any sort of spot with like a bog riff or something. I think it'll at least be funny. Yeah. I, I think people are way too like scared about piracy, honestly, <laughs> and it's cool and good and you should do it. Yeah, fucking so. Big Marvel makes so much money already. Like, and I'm I'm taking a contrarian stance just because I want Marvel to hire me at some point. <laughs> okay, no, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, you should pay um, for everything you ever consume. Don't even bother borrow from friends. It's illegal now. <laughs> See, the thing is, I do buy stuff. It's just after I've read it, like I then. Um, Ash and Nick have seen we, my big, we can't get into piracy yeah. discourse this soon. We can't go into it. <laughs> that's that's yeah. just that. We'll talk about it later. I also am not I'm not gonna ever actually share what my personal feelings are on this one on live radio. <laughs> so we'll get into we'll talk about it some other time. Anyways, Holly, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us about your history with X Men? Uh, I would love to. Um, I'm Holly. My history with the X-Men is I started reading uh, X-Men comics in July 2013 because I actually found um, the one that I started with on the internet. Uh, So in the UK, which is unfortunately where I'm based, um, the the, the sticker company um, Panama or Parama, anyway, they handle the single-issue distribution of Marvel things, and they collect them into specific editions. So the first issue of comics I ever read was uh, a collection called Wolverine and Deadpool, um, Volume 2, Issue 48, and this contained three issues of Uncanny X-Force, the Rick Rick Remender run, so, not a bad run. A pretty decent starting point. However, the starting point I jumped on at was Uncanny X-Force issue 20, which is when they are in Otherworld witnessing the trial of Phantom X. Um, and at this point, the only thing I really knew about the X-Men was I had just seen the Marvel film The Wolverine, which is not good, and... I was like, I've heard so many good things about like superhero films and, and, and superhero comics. I need to find out what's in the comics. And so I started reading. Immediately, I was met with Otherworld, this bizarre fantasy realm connected to Britain. And first I was shocked by how UK-centric this comic was. Um, and then I was shocked because it's a <laughs> it's an extraordinarily edgy series. There is a character called the skinless man who is just flayed so he is like a major antagonist of this arc so there's just this dude with no skin walking around for a significant chunk of this issue in like fairyland and it's um to to my teenage brain this was perfect i was i was a teenager who loved warhammer 40,000 this this was the perfect hook into uh, this thing with me uh, and then I decided to read the rest of the X-Men stuff, which was, like, the Bendis stuff, which I did not enjoy as much. Um, I have a personal vendetta against Quentin Quire, um, which... <laughs> my son. <laughs> oh. <laughs> One um, of my many sons. It's, uh... <laughs> uh, I have opinions about Quentin Quire, but uh, to be fair... 
I think the Bendis version of him is the worst version of him. Like, the more recent is slightly more Yeah, it's not, it, it's not Quentin's fault. Whatever your issues with him are, he's done nothing wrong, ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's definitely not killed innocent <laughs> human beings, ever. That I can excuse. It's the fact he's so annoying about it. Um... <laughs> Uh, but then I read up until the Marvel crossover event Axis, which might be the worst Marvel crossover event they've ever done. Um, and I stopped reading mainstream comics. I, I just went to Image. I started reading Saga and the Wicked and the Divine. Like I, I, after after Axis, I was like, I'm I'm out. This this isn't worth it. Like <laughs> it's not good anymore. Um, Magneto got done so bad by that event, uh, and then uh, way back in 2020, I heard about The Immortal Hulk by Al Ewing. I read all of The Immortal Hulk up to that point, uh, which rules, and I was like, wait, comics can be good. Marvel comics can be good. Uh, and then he started writing Sword. I heard about House of X, Powers of X. Um, Magneto is back, and he rules, uh, and I was very happy with that, right up until the point when he isn't back, but it still rules, so, uh, and I just got back fully on board with, with X-Men, um, because they did a good crossover event. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, that's, that's my history with the, with the X-Men comics. Alright, I'm gonna go into mine now, um... So, I've always been an X-Men fan, basically, as long as I can remember. Like, the the shows, X-Men Evolution, the animated series, the second one, not the first, um, was, like, on the air when I was, like, maybe seven. And I fell in love with it. I fell in love with all the characters. And the movies were coming out at the exact same time. We don't have to talk about the movies, but <laughs> if we ever do, there will be a big disclaimer before we talk about the movies. Uh, <laughs> but, and it, like, they were my Lord of the Rings. Like, a lot of people just are able to fall into Middle-earth. I fell into the mutants. Um, and then, like, over the years, I kept coming back to them. Everyone in the X, like, every X fan is always like, Oh, this run is good. This run is going to be the different one. So every time that happen, I fall happens, I fall for it, <laughs> and I I start reading again, um, only to be like downtrodden twelve issues later when a new writer comes on and <laughs> they take on an entirely different direction. So like the Age of Krakoa happening is such like a good bit, good boon, you know, good gift, um, and like we were all playing Marvel Snap in the Pigot Discord. And um, Kiwi and Janosch were talking about um, Hawks and Pox and and the the stuff after it. And I had read Hawks and Pox when they were coming out initially and totally forgotten about them <laughs> because I was caught up and didn't keep up and was doing that thing where you take on way too many ongoing books at the same time and forget to keep reading them. Um, and so since then, I've picked up and caught up. And I have been going back through and reading the Claremont stuff as well. I think I've read, like, somewhere between 60 and 80 issues of it now. I'm where the Morlocks are first introduced. The New Mutants have just been introduced. I also started rereading re the New Mutants. But I was a big New Mutants fan, so I've read every New Mutants comic at one point or another. So this is a reread for me. 
I have some memory issues, though, so I don't remember a lot of shit. So I'm rediscovering everything. <laughs> um, and and then um, I've also I also reread new X-Men recently. And that's that's basically it. Yeah, I just fucking love the X-Men. Hell yeah. They're great. It's like mutants, like fucking... Was it Stanley and Jack Kirby and then Claremont, I guess? Like, they figured out, like, such a perfect formula to keep cranking out comics and uh, keep them somehow fresh. Like, the, the, the idea of, again, mutants being hated and feared... Uh, the idea of like mutant society, the like limitless possibilities of having characters with superpowers that, or like abilities that will often like bite them back or will often be a curse. Uh, yeah, it's super interesting too. Like, I just discovered recently that like they weren't even it wasn't even a genetic thing until claremont came on it was it was uh, like, it was nuclear test nuclear yeah, yeah krakoa nuclear was when, when the... it's kirby's days yeah krakoa was initially a, a mutant island because it was a, an island in the pacific that did that like had the nuclear test happening but then they then they made it like a genetic thing rather than that yeah and now krakoa is kind of its own mom yeah <laughs> Nuclear was like fucking everywhere. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, that's like radioactive spiders, uh, yeah, gamma rays. Uh, I think when you learn though that Beast's father was on um, the Manhattan Project, it really puts like everything he's up to right now in perspective. <laughs> Damn, are we gonna get Beast's dad in the Oppenheimer movie? <laughs> Shit, a little topical reference. McCoy Senior. Yeah. yeah like also just the 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 fact that mutants are out there and anytime you need to introduce a new character with powers there's no don't need to like really come up with a reason it's just they're a mutant yeah. whether they're a hero or a villain like we're just keep adding and that's why there's like thousands and thousands of them by yeah now. that's why they had to eventually decimate them <laughs> and then yeah, they had the bring them back. Building them up and destroying them comes from is them just being able to pop up so instantaneously and in Marvel not wanting that many superheroes with the same origin, you know? I mean I guess it's a classic problem with comics that they'd have they'll they'll always be in cycles of decimating heroes and then oh no, we didn't mean it. Yeah, it's <laughs> and what then the it media gets too does complicated to again. Spider Man being a billionaire for like two years and then they were like, nah no, he's 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 a poor schmuck again. We we fucked up, we shouldn't have done that. It's the same sort of stuff on a different scale. We should have never made Spider Man a billionaire. It was a mistake. <laughs> we are so sorry. <laughs> Which I'm gonna segue us back to the theme of this podcast. Uh like that is what so many people are worried that Fall of X is going to be. That it's going to be a reset from this, like, huge shift in the status quo. Like, the most successful, at least that I've seen, and critically, that the X-Men series have been in years, and a much more, uh, I guess, hopeful vision of of the ideas of the mutant metaphor. Um, and there's obviously this concern that Fall of X is going to bring it all crashing down uh, and sort of just decimate the mutants again. And I don't know if that's what's going to happen. 
Um, I don't know how I'd feel about it. I saw an ex-spoilers people saying that, uh, like, they think Krakoa is gonna die. Like, the island itself is going to be killed. <laughs> Ooh. And I don't know if it's gonna they go that far. Maybe. I hope not. I, I want Krakoa's nation to have more time, even if it's not the Krakoa we know. So I'm hopeful for the fall of X. I'm gonna be the optimist. To me, I think it's it's not gonna be the end anyway. Like, I feel like it's it's the downward slope, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I think we're get, we'll probably have at least another of X that's, like, maybe an actual ending. But yeah. also, I think... Winter of X. Yeah. My, <laughs> the natural progression. My, my suspicion is that it's gonna be less less an ending and more like a, a schism was another event that happened before but like more of a split mm. like like I think you you just leave Araco and let let them have their own thing going on and maybe you have Sabretooth and the Exiles as another sort of faction and then maybe like Krakoa still exists but it's like Professor X is no longer uh, to be trusted, and then sort of the X-Men as a, another faction off of Krakoa or something. Yeah, I don't think the mutants will stay unified by any means, but I, I think there still will be some form of Krakoa. Like, it will still be a nation, I just hope it's a better one in terms of how it's governed, <laughs> at the very least. I think it might be a worse one, and that's like... <laughs> I think it might be, like, the villain's more directly in control, and, like, it's still fine for the people living there, but, like, on on the top level, like, Beast is back and allowed to be back or something. Sebastian Shaw wants to be friends with Beast right now. There's no world oh, yeah. where he's not going home to his little diary and writing, Beast did something cool this day, and I'm just stuck here... Charles! Council, not able Professor, to do anything. <laughs> Professor X is saying... The things beasts are do beast is doing are over the top, but he's doing them for the right reasons. Like that's not that's not a good sign. Like that's also sort of where where I'm coming from with I think. Yeah, speaking of speaking of beast, maybe this is a good point to transition into the other thing we were gonna do today, which is just look at Destiny of X and um say what we thought of the individual series and like the 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 destiny line as a whole i guess um and we can start with talking about x-force wolverine uh since we already mentioned beast i think that's a good idea um i think this is a series that i see a lot of like hate for online like i think people are really tired of benjamin percy and he is the only one who's been writing since the start so uh, who's been like writing the same series? Jerry Duggan was also there since the start, but yeah, it's like switch series. It's um, he's he's had that unbroken run for what forty something issues on X Force now, and a and a, a similar amount on Wolverine, which is like it's rare in comics in general. And like the the like Krakoan era has had like turnover with like each of X section like a few different series will get rebooted but like the one that's the one that's kept going like under under one author and various artists um has been X-Force and Wolverine under Benjamin Percy and uh I guess 
your mileage may vary on Benjamin Percy, because if you don't <laughs> like him, it's been 42 issues of not liking him. <laughs> I didn't like it a little bit in the middle. I thought it was yeah. dragging on for sure, but now it definitely feels like it's at a point again where it feels like we are we're on track. We're going after the shit that's been being built up this entire time. We don't care, have to care about how there's a little man inside some of someone for an issue, even <laughs> though that was a great issue. That was a great I like that one. Issue. The disappointing part is like there's like no Black Tom on this. Where's where's my where's my son Black Tom? <laughs> <laughs> he's he's my uncle. To be he is. Yeah, there's yeah, there's some good bits uncle. in that yeah. uh, that that one where the, it's like he oscillates between like a comedic misunderstanding of an Irish accent and saying things that like he, like Benjamin Percy definitely like talked to someone and was like hey what's a thing that like a crazy Irish person would say <laughs> I just remember where he just says like Mayo for Sam which is like Mayo is the county he's from and Sam Maguire is like the All-Ireland Football Championship and it's just like oh yeah like Nobody outside of Ireland knows what that is, but they're just like, <laughs> just threw it in. Ran. It doesn't even really work, but like, it was just very funny to see. Like, I think though, after the Hellfire Gala where um, Emma confronts Beast, you expect something to happen, and then it, it, he just gets worse. So, like, I, I, I can totally tell, like, understand people coming from the point of like, this man should have faced consequences by now, but that doesn't work the same way in the real world for so many people that it's like genuinely very interesting at this point to be like how's he gonna get out of it this time and so far he's been able to get out of it just by existing <laughs> yeah. look how long it took for mr sinister to feel to face consequences <laughs> like he had to like fucking thousand kill years. everyone like yeah. thousand years into the future to uh to actually be thrown into the pit. Uh, I, I think I, I, I agree with the general sentiment that uh, it dragged a bit. I don't think X-Force needed to have 42 issues. <laughs> I think it could have wrapped up closer. Um, I I also, sometimes Benjamin Percy just writes like a big Wolverine speech where he's like, yeah. um, I'm a grizzled man, I've, I've killed so many people. Ooh. It's just like a page and a half, and I'm just like, you've done this ten times before. And none of them are really, like, they don't feel, like, insightful to Wolverine as a character or anything. It's just like, uh, I've, I've been fighting for so long. And that's kind of it. Yeah, I, I find know. myself yeah. bored by all the individual plots that are not about Beast or about Colossus. Like, because those are the two big long plans like from the start uh, building up plots that I'm like come on let's finally get somewhere let's yeah. let's uh, get some uh, what's the word for that uh, let's let's pay that off right and I think the beast stuff like that's the the last like few issues of Wolverine, like starting f from the uh, what's it called? Oh, Something uh, of Beast. The Beast Agenda. The Beast Agenda. That's the one. Has been. Like, I think that has been stellar. Like that. That's oh, yeah. where yeah. it picked up. Right up to that point, like from the start of Destiny of X until uh, until the Beast Agenda started, I couldn't tell you what happened in Wolverine. Like Deadpool <laughs> was there for a bit. 
there was uh, vampires in the beginning. CIA buddy, like yeah, his friend that likes his lawn. <laughs> so yeah, um, he was just stopping people from stealing dead Wolverine parts for a while, I believe, and he fought the vampires before that. Right, yeah. it's yeah. X Force has like from the start of the Krakoan era stuff. The Benjamin Percy X Force has one of my favorite premises, which is what if, what if one of the mutants creates the mutant CIA, and it's just as awful and terrible an idea as the real CIA was for America, because it ties into so many themes of like nation building and morals and what becomes justified. Uh, uh, there's there's an idea about like what a nation will do to keep itself alive and and that is that like the nation will sacrifice everything in order to sustain itself and that is the view that beast exemplifies all the way throughout the Krakoan era he doesn't care who dies who he kills what the catastrophic moral consequences are because there is nothing more moral to this beast in x-force than the continuation of the mutant nation which is this brand new perspective for Beast. Like, he hasn't had sort of this uh, uh, broadly national legal identity married to his mutant identity at any point. Uh, so, like, if you look at, like, past Beast, he is often... Conf- he sides with the Avengers in Avengers versus X-Men. He sides with the Inhumans in Inhumans versus X-Men. When he's part of this minority that's not linked to this greater whole of a nation-state, he cannot justify their actions over the the actions of, like, law and nations. And now that he's in that position, he, he has no moral guidance. There is only the continuation of the mutant nation for him. I think that's so compelling. But it it's it's forty two issues of him getting worse and worse and worse with no consequences and the top down concept incredible the execution I think really mixed I will say I it's think funny. the art for both of them both of these series the art is like pretty stellar oh, throughout stellar. yeah like there's some real body horror moments like all the way throughout which are like executed incredibly. Uh, even just gross moments like Beast chowing down on a lobster in a recent issue are illustrated, like, wonderfully. Oh, yeah, that was an incredible panel. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I think that's, to me at least, like, the art and the concept overarching it, like, carries the series through its low points for yeah. me. It's still, I think it's still a must read, right? Like, because it's such a the beast escalation is such a driving force of like everything that's wrong with Krakoa. Uh, so it can be frustrating when it's, you know, a must read issue, but it has like three pages of beast doing his machinations. And then the rest of it is like that pulls somewhere off on a mission where it's like, or it's like Wolverine surfing. Yeah. <laughs> that was an issue, right? <laughs> oh yeah. That, that fucking ruled though. No, that yeah, had some, that that has some amazing art, though. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that. a lot of like the small stuff is really good, but it it does largely feel inconsequential. Or when it does get wrapped up, like it it doesn't go off the screen as easily as like some other artists have found ways to do that. Like I think um, I really liked the arc with Quentin because I thought Quentin has been stuck as a character for a long time as this like like 
person who's either neo-fash or an anarchist depending on the person who's writing them and it's like this guy needs to become an adult if he's going to be on the mutant cia and i thought they did a good job of actually making him like own up to what he's going what he has going on um and i did like like his relationship with phoebe i thought that was well written i think anytime they bring up that there are just a bunch of random ass babies popping up that's hilarious to me (laughs) um and i also like um sage's drinking problem i think that's a really interesting part of the story as well yeah that i can't wait to see more of but like that's something i that is also core to beasts and how beast is acting you know beast is is causing sage to see all the horrors that he is then implicating her in and that is what's causing her to go to the green lagoon and drown her sorrows at the end of the night you know um but no one wants to deal with x-force like the only people even trying to hold x-force accountable in any way for the bullshit they're doing are the five and that's just because they keep having to reincarnate them when they're like we have millions of people to bring back to life (laughs) and those are some of my favorite like data pages in any of the series which is when there's a when there's a note from like hope or from someone from the five writing we shouldn't we shouldn't like override like uh this character's memories that we are resurrecting this is really unethical and then there's just a reply from beast that says x-force overrides everything you do what i want there was one when quentin was going through the breakup where he's literally like cloning himself using other people's bodies and that five has no choice but to like do it for this whiny little brat like going through a breakup and it's like why are we using resources on it it's very funny (laughs) juggernaut quentin hilarious (laughs) that was a good visual although i do think the other quentin stuff was like in dawn or rain uh yeah i i with x-force has been going on so long i can't really keep track of which happened in which event as much as easily as with the other stuff where it's like grottos a hellfire gala happens home team you know Uh destiny destiny of x era x force and wolverine i think that that more hits than misses like it's it's sort of back on form and its consequences are beginning to happen for a lot of the characters and that's just it's really it's it's good to see um yeah that's uh that's my thoughts Beast's like full on like I, I I just really enjoyed the way Beast went from um, I did a little bit of a war crime but it is like <laughs> in in what is to be expected from like a mutant CIA to now he has a torture prison and uh, has like done a bunch of like he he has like resurrected Wolverine with like a child's brain. He's like, got his so, like, like dumbed down brain. Like he's got his like a titan with a skull head. That's his mobile base. Like <laughs> it's wild. Yeah, the, the art, the art on that kicks ass. Yeah. Like sidebar the... for a second though, I do want to say like the the ter- I hate in the comics when they use the term child's brain to decide to describe someone with an adult brain yeah. that is dealing with something like neurological causing them to have like diminished ability because mm. the the term like adult with a child's brain in referring to someone with a developmental disability or any sort of injury that could cause similar symptoms um is like pretty outdated and like but in the cultural zeitgeist people don't know that and so yeah. you see in movies and shows all the time like that term so i just wanted to like 
sidebar while we're here. That's a fair remark. I do think it is yeah. like the term used in the comic, right? It is absolutely the term they use in the comic. I rolled my eyes every time I saw it. Mm-hmm. And like Beast using it, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but like, like he doesn't have like a child's brain. He has less of his own brain. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, that's a that's a better description for sure. Yeah. Uh, I also enjoy the current thing that is going to happen, which is that his own clones are rebelling up against him. It's, yeah, it's great stuff. Oh, I mean, but, like, they he immediately offs them. Yeah. <laughs> and they're gonna keep doing it yeah. over and over What's again. What's he gonna do? Stop making clones of himself? No! <laughs> yeah, he's, he literally is gonna have to, it's gonna, like, accelerate. He's gonna be cloning himself every ten minutes. <laughs> Was, wasn't there a thing in, I think it's the most recent issue, that, like, the failsafe he has maybe won't work anymore or something. I um, read that like two weeks ago. I should remember, but like... it seems like to me the way that it's going to fall apart, like this current plan, and then he'll weasel out and start something else. Is um, the Wolverines that he keeps cloning? He doesn't realize their brains are healing. Mm. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, sorry. yeah, sorry. Yeah. And so, like, he's about to be surrounded by five, like like logans with all of their constitutions in order that all know what the fuck is going on and they're not going to be happy (laughs) i was gonna say should we jump into uh jerry duggan's x-men as that's the other series that has continued from before destiny into it yeah yeah absolutely that's a great idea do you want to take us off holly since you brought it up i have um, so few hot takes on Jerry Duggan's X-Men. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's it's good. I like it. It's it's perfectly fine. It... Jerry Duggan is like the most like 8 out of 10 or 7 out of 10 writer out of all of these. Like I don't think he Absolutely. ever wrote something that was bad. Uh, but also like very little, very few like really stellar moments. It's all just good. The actual X-Men book itself it doesn't feel like they they give them a lot to do. No. Like, no. the characters. So. The problem with them all being replaced every 12 months is... Yeah. It feels like we just get, like, a few vignettes with the new people, which are usually pretty good, and they always have great artists. It's like, is it Pepe Larraz at the minute? Or... Uh, I think it's, uh... Pepe Larraz, CF Villa now, the... or... Yeah, CF Villa. Oh, right. I think, yeah. yeah. But um, it's another, but it's... another top-tier artist, yeah. Yeah, and it's just, it's like, there's some neat stuff, but it feels like there's not a a lot going on with it. Yeah. Like, at the minute, they're building up with, like, Iron Man stuff. Oh, yeah, because um, Jerry Duggan is also writing Iron Man, and that's yes. that's all gonna... It is there, gonna there is... be, in, in, the, in, in the Fall of X lineup, Immortal Iron Man is officially an X book now, so... We're gonna oh, have to talk about I don't that. care about Iron Man. I know he's marrying Emma, but I just I don't. It's care good. About I, I I read uh, I, I read Jerry Duggan's. You know? I, I read Duggan's Iron Man because it's only like seven issues up to this yeah. point, uh, and I I kind of like it more than his X Men series. Like I think he's better at writing at focusing on one character than doing a team. Yeah, I I I like it fine, but there was just like a couple of weeks ago there was they lined up where it was just X-Men and Iron Man. I read them back to back and I was just kind of like, yeah, ah, this is very average to me. Like, well, they're about to not be the X-Men anymore either. They're going to elect a new group of X-Men. Yeah. At the Hellfire, yeah. Hellfire yeah. Gallery. And I kind of think that either Scott or Gene will leave this time. That's a bold. Yeah. Cause they're, they're, they're prediction. splitting up. Yeah. 
Um, what I what I do think about the X Men is that if you're if you're reading like if you're reading these comics for good art and like very well well put together fight scenes and vignettes, like Jerry Duggan's X Men is great for that. Like the 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 action scenes, most of the issues are based around are just good comic book action scenes. You need very little context for each issue. Like, if you were just picking up, like, one issue from something, you could probably pick up any of the Doug and X-Men ones, read it, and be happy with it. It's a lot more compressed yeah. than any of the other series, but not in a way where you miss lots. It's, um... Well, and the stuff with Forge recently I thought was really good, where he goes into the vault and saves uh, Lorikini. Yes. Alan now. Yeah. Um, and, like, everything with Sync, I have loved since he's joined the team. Like, he's such a great character. I'm glad he's getting so much screen time. I'm glad he stayed on. I kind of hope he stays on a third time, because I don't think they should be done with him. And if they are, put him on another book. You know, put him on the Marauders or whatever you're going to do next. Again, the main weakness with the series is is just that the cast rotates much more than it necessarily should for a series. Um, well, and I think it ends up hurting the other books as well mm. um, when they rotate the cast like that. Because when they did the first Hellfire Gala, they disrupted every team that was going on. I think for good reason with the writing, you know, like all of these characters had been built up to like join the X-Men, you know, like Polaris is going to leave X-Factor, but we're not keeping that book going, you know, but which they should have the kept. I, I wish they would have they kept going X Factor. That was, was great. No, didn't make it to Destiny uh, of X though. <laughs> no, uh, X Factor like Polaris was another like Polaris was a fan vote, so that's that's the other thing, right? Like uh, they they had to put her in the team, but then she didn't really get a lot to do. Like as much as I love Polaris, I she wasn't like that's the, I think the biggest strength of like it's a it's a bit of a double edged sword with with Duggan's X Men because. I think he's great at fleshing out Sync. He's uh, he's writing. He's great at writing Cyclops. Like I, I really like Cyclops in yeah, his book. Yeah, Cyclops uh, is incredible. And in he book. continued Cyclops from his Cable book, in which he, which was also yeah. writing him, which I thought was Cable. I think is still the best uh, Duggan book he wrote for the for the X lineup. Um, so he's great at like writing this a core central like two or three characters, and then. All the other ones, like Polaris, get is is completely sidelined. Uh, Iceman and Magic, and who was the other one? Who was the fire Firestar. one? Firestar. They haven't done Firestar, like anything yeah. with Firestar. Um, she's supposed to like. She has a similar relationship to the X Men that Sunfire does. Yeah. So it's funny to like replace <laughs> Sunfire, Sunfire with, with Firestar one. because they're both like. Mutants that have been reluctant to call themselves mutants and yeah. mutants that have been reluctant to work with the X-Men. And I thought Firestar got a lot of good moments, but he got more good moments in X-Men Red. Uh, and then, uh, like, or Sunfire, not Firestar, but Firestar yeah. hasn't really gotten to do anything. No. I think in the most recent issue, there's a line where, like, Cyclops is like, okay, Firestar, you're quarterbacking. And then she yells out all the commands, and then that's, like, the only thing she says the yeah. entire issue, I think. <laughs> Firestar got one annual that was focused on her, and that was fine. It was written by Steve Fox. It was it was decent, uh, but yeah. In the, I always enjoy in Emma the main Frost. Series. <laughs> but 
But yeah. I think the book, as a transition, that got hurt the most by um, the the Hellfire Gala, Gala X, electing X Men is uh, is the Marauders. So I think we could talk about that uh-huh. next because the Marauders, this most recent run, starts with the entire team we've gotten to know previously being removed essentially from the Marauders with a few exceptions here and there and replaced and recruited by a new team that, that Kitty starts it up with. And I really liked the new team and I, I love the art in that series, but I, I, it just like has nothing to do with anything else that's going on. It's hard to care about. Yeah. I, I will put here as a disclaimer on Marauders is one of the books I have not finished. I read the first arc and then I realized that I have no idea what's going on and I don't care. So I if you don't that. know who Cassandra Nova is, who I didn't know going into it either, like I was just like, why do I, why do I give a shit? You know, the, it's the the if you don't already know a lot about the background of a lot of like pretty obscure X characters, like you miss like Marauders. Mar- Steve Orlando loves an obscure X Men character. Like I, I've, I respect that. I've had to. Well, I mean, that's why Somnus is on the team, right? Somnus is on the team. <laughs> like, he made um, up Somnus. That's a new character. <laughs> oh, that's a new character? Yeah. I thought Somnus well, had popped up in some of the that's his, Somnus is. No, that's his OC. stuff that Dakin was in. Because Dakin already knew him. That's why I thought that. He's from okay. a, a Marvel Voices cool, Pride yeah, he's from uh, the Pride one. comic from like a year or two ago. Gotcha, which was gotcha. really nice. Like, I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of great additions to the team, but they didn't get, like... Like, Somnus doesn't end up with really anything to do throughout the arc, except use his powers here and there. He doesn't get the character moments that a writer like Teeny Howard mm. is putting forward, you know? And so, like, I thought the overarching plot of the whole thing ended up being pretty good, but there aren't a ton of character moments to, like, carry you through, at least as I remember it. Yeah, from and, the like, from the know. five issues I read, I was just really disappointed that Kate Pride just doesn't feel like herself in that arc like she doesn't feel like the same character that was that she was in Jerry Duggan's Marauders. Yeah. So for mm-hmm. for context for those listening who haven't necessarily read all of these Jerry Duggan was doing Marauders and then at the beginning of this Destiny of X after the Hellfire Gala Steve Orlando takes over Marauders and the only character that really stays on the team is Kate Pride unless I'm forgetting anyone else and Jerry Duggan has such a strong voice for for Kate Pride and did so much yeah. work with Kate Pride in the first volume of Marauders. Like it's it's again it's one of the like he works with the what Jerry Duggan does best with the like small core of characters and Kate Pride was one of those in Marauders and Steve Orlando just doesn't write Kate Pride the same and uh, to compound this it's a time travel heavy couple of arcs um which doesn't doesn't help things it <laughs> yeah it makes it a lot more confusing it's um it's to t- to me a lot of Steve Orlando's is the is the inverse of Jerry Duggan in that again like he's a good writer but if you picked up just one issue of Marauders you would not have a clue what was going on and even reading the whole of Marauders, you might not understand all of what's going on. Like, X-Men villains like Strife are being referenced with little to no context within the issue. Um, 
what are they called? The bacteria ones. They're referenced from 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 Morrison's X Men run, and they are like main significant villains who are explained very little, who become central to the time travel plot just... of Marauders. Well, Strife sure. is only there for like they they just start name dropping Strife, and if you had just read the cable arc like right before that you know who strife is but you don't know that strife is also bacteria and ancient and like not just an evil cable clone like you need all of this history to really know who strife is and like i don't know i don't necessarily dislike when an author does that but like oh, i it it is it 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 is like a plot book it is not a character book really at all for sure but yeah to me Jerry Duggan and Steve Orlando are like two sides of the coin. Jerry Duggan does like <laughs> the more accessible character focused stuff. Steve Orlando uh like dives deep into the lore and like really gets in the weeds with just how complicated uh an X-Men comic can be. Like he he seems to revel in that more than anything else or more than any other uh author like it's got uh, more focus on time travel, I feel, than Sins of Sinister did. And, like, that was a whole event. Um, oh, yeah. And a- Amass, the character they introduced uh, in there, incredible character. Amass is um, good. Who can just, yeah. like, combine a bunch of shit with themselves, and that's their mental, their mutant power. I ended up liking the ending bit. It was, like, sending everyone back. Well, I, I, I didn't like that they made up a whole new like generation of mutants way in the past. I kind of like <laughs> the idea of like apocalypse actually being not if not the first mutant, he's like close enough, um, which isn't really true anymore. I don't think because there's all those like Jason Aaron books from a million years ago. The way the but... arc ends is all of those mutants are are dead, and only the island. That then becomes Krakoa and Arako lives on. I believe is how that that story wraps up, right? As you can tell yeah. from the attempted summaries here, it's quite confusing. Yeah, and they like use use all the like spirits of Genosha, the genocide, to like send it back and like mix them all up to make new mutants back in. It's just yeah, like, but I wasn't sure if that was happening at the very end of where they were at in that timeline, or if they were sending. Like all of that mutant uh, organic material is what they're using it's, it as to restart, like the spell, essentially. I believe they were using both the ghosts and the organic material. But I wasn't sure if they were sending it to like where they left or to the very, very beginning and just making this new group of mutants. It's it's the very beginning. It's like a whole time loop. So like all of the mutants are were birthed by K-Pride, essentially. Um, and you could call those mutants <laughs> New Mutants. The name of the next hey. series that we will be <laughs> talking yeah. about. This is kind of a weird one, because this was... Uh, Vita Ayala took over New Mutants, like, I think in the middle of Dawn of X? Yeah. It's, and it's then they were writing early. it up until like i think up to 30 issues so they took over at like issue eight or something yeah and i wrote up to issue 30 uh, so it ended with like i think five or six issues in destiny and then uh, it was like one 
It was one arc. It was the. Uh, it's um magic. What's it called? Something of magic. Oh, trials of magic. Yes, and then there was the big, uh, the big like anniversary issue, and then. Um, and then we get Charlie. Jane what's the Anders. name of the? Charlie Jane Anders took over. Um, I finished New Mutants, uh, the Vita Ayala run, and then I didn't read the Charlie uh, Jane Anders run because I heard like mixed things about it, and I was, uh, yeah, I was. I think it's like very um, interested in that. It also ended, and now it's the miniseries, yeah. like New Mutant Legion, which, which has I think, one more. Yeah, issue. there were only three issues of Charlie Jane Anders New Mutants, and then the and then the and I think Charlie Jane Anders is also writing Lethal Legion. Yes, 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 yes. Um, also, another series that is not going to continue into Destiny, so that was, or not going to continue into Fall. So I was like, it's I maybe think not they worth just it. wanted to wrap up um, Escapade's yeah. story, um, which I think is fair. I like Escapade. I hate Escapade's sidekick. I forget his <laughs> name. Yeah. Um, I Morgan? think that I, I liked the 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 boy that can turn things into chocolate. Yeah, Morgan. Yeah, I don't like Morgan. <laughs> I think he, he might be making some points about how Krakoa is not great, you know? Oh, no, I, um, I, I'm, I, I agree with Morgan on a lot of things. I just, like, I think the problem with Lethal Legion more so than um, the, the end of the New Mutants arc before it is, like, it's, it is too much, like, there's too much B-plot and not enough A-plot. Um, because, Le- because Lethal Legion is essentially, like, Morgan and, and Rain... Morgan and Wolfsbane are going through the, where the Marauders formerly lived and looking at the massacre. It's like, a, let's go on a tour of the Holocaust Museum because you haven't been through, or you don't understand what other mutants have been through type of story. And meanwhile, Escapade, Scout, and Sarabella are doing like a fun heist. Yeah. And I think they should have focused more on Escapade, Sarabella, and Scout's fun heist in the book and given me a little less Morgan and Rain being like really depressing. <laughs> I mean that's a that's a that's a fair point. Um so we're currently discussing the the like sort of after Vita like uh, a yes. bit of new mutants. Um Yes, yes. I do have a shit ton of new mutants opinions. They're uh-huh. my that that's really what kept me in X-Men for such a long time because I became like a sidekick person because of the Teen Titans mm. TV show. Yeah. And that like New Mutants kept me constantly coming back to X-Men. So I have a ton of New Mutants thoughts. I just wish they would like give me some characters, you know? <laughs> I personally have almost no new mu- new mutant thoughts before this. So for me, I sort of like hopped on uh like basically for Vita Ayala's run and then the Charlie Jane Anders run and because I'm not like I'm not a New Mutants head um, and I enjoy Escapade and I really enjoy Charlie Jane Anders writing Escapade is incredibly cool yeah so for me like it's 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 a it's a fun romp balanced with uh, uh, occasional really depressing things which to me uh, that's that's a good bit of X-Men comics um but i yeah that's that's very true yeah. it's it's not particularly new mutancy um it's it's very much you, they could have called it escapade and it would work as a series yeah you know? mm. um i think that's that's kind of my 
little bit of frustration with it is it felt very much like here is a whole comic about Escapade and I, I think Escapade's pretty good but it was just like it did feel like a, a little uh, I don't want to say forced because it's not it, it's like introducing a new character mm. you know? it's that thing that happens all the time and it's good but it was like yeah you don't get the rest of um, the characters and I think like I, by by the by the end of Lethal, by where Lethal Legion is at now, I'm enjoying it. Like, but I think it was a bit of a rocky start for me. I might just like not vibe with Charlie Jane Anders writing a little bit or something. But I'm, I'm get, I, I'm liking it now. But yeah, it was kind of a rough start. I think like I feel similarly with uh, Lethal Legion that I do. Uh the what is it called the bishop's war college mm-hmm. where oh, it's like yeah. a, a bad split between the a and the b plot but ultimately like part of the issue is like bishop's war college should have been a bishop tempo book you know the new the new new mutants book should it could be like call it new mutants lethal legion but like take out the old new mutants <laughs> we want the new new mutants <laughs> Like if 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 it's gonna be about escapade, I would I pre- I would prefer it be about like escapade and the lost children, and not escapade and some of the lost children, and also some of the new mutants. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um. Do we want to cover any of the end of Vita Ayala's run? Because most of that bit is magic centric or wrapping up their 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 long run it it doesn't have a huge amount of relevance to the like the future of of x i don't i don't think it does but i will say i thought it uh, i thought it closed out great like oh it was brilliant Uh, charles of magic bang a bang a little run of five issues great arc it has some of the best art in yeah i'm glad magic's not in charge of limbo anymore like i'm i'm glad she gets to move on as a character and making madeline like the Goblin Queen again, I felt like make made a lot of sense. Like with the entire history of like yeah her character, and she can do it kind of like consensually now. Like a lot of that arc's like subtext felt a- about like characters figuring out ways in their life to to reclaim like control over parts of their life that they have not had control over. And I thought that was like really gratifying, you know? Yeah, absolutely. There was, I would say there was one issue of new, of Vita Ayala's new mutants. That was either the last one in reign of X or the first one in destiny that felt like, felt like there was some scheduling problem and Rod Rice was not available for the art and someone else did the art and, Vita Ayala just it, it just felt like Vita Ayala had scrambled it up in the last second. It, it was it was like a dog shit issue of a really good run. Otherwise, <laughs> I, it had just like some it has like the worst art I have ever seen. Like in a, other than like Fallen Angels, like in 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 any of these comics, I don't know what happened there. Like it just really felt incredibly rushed. All the the conversation it was just conversations between characters, which can be good, but they were all like just spelling out their traumas and talking about like yeah. PTSD and I don't know it was like it's the type of stuff that I think should stay subtext like I think once characters start explaining their own traumas like it's don't don't explain it just 
Leave it in the background. Put it on the page. Yeah. yeah. Like, we know what's happening. Trust your audience a little bit. And I don't know. I do feel like, like, some of the comics are being written maybe for a different age demographic than us. Like, a couple of them are supposed to be a little younger, but, like, not much, you know? And, like, yeah. those kids are smart. They'll get what the fuck is going on. <laughs> like, you can still write it for everybody. You can still keep that subtext subtext. I feel like uh, it, it's... The problem of, like, not having the subtext just be subtext is a thing that I've felt in, like, outside of X-Men, I feel like, well, before um, the whole Miss Marvel thing going on right now, I feel like there's a bunch of villains in, like, Miss Marvel, uh, Miles Morales, and, like, the Champions, when there was the Champions, where it was just, like, this villain is a metaphor for uh, pollution or, like, you know, uh, needing to go out and protest or something, and then they would just, like, say it. And it was always like, you can just, like, trust us to get it a bit. And they just kept being like, hey, hey, uh, just so you know, this villain is about uh, how you should go out and get into protests and stuff. I was just like, that's cool. Yeah, sure, that's a good message. Again, sort of aimed at maybe slightly younger audiences, but it was just like, please, please stop shutting <laughs> it down. Like, it's it's fine. Um, I don't know. Did we want to get into, I'm assuming we're not going to get into any of the, like, limited series, because there are quite a few. Um, I don't think we are this week, but the, like, like we can touch on the Sabretooth whole deal quick. I think I think Sabretooth is going to come back. Save that for a one where we either talk more about a limited Whereas because, like, when he starts coming back. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. there's a lot yeah, to yeah. say about Sabretooth and it's Yeah, all, all, all I, yeah, oh, go on. It's, it's, there's a lot to say and in my opinion it's 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 one of the best things that's come out of like the Krakoa era yeah. of X-Men. Oh yeah, 100%. It's like I literally reread it this afternoon and Hell was yeah. like surprised again by like it was also because I was I was reading it like week to week or month to month as it was coming out and just having it all in one go it was like oh yeah this is um so like cohesive yeah. and I mean it it kind of shows that it was message. written by a novelist right yeah like, it 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 is. It is very literary in a way that, like, maybe only Immortal X-Men is, like, that, that touches, like, that level of, like, literary. From, uh, just, just, just real quick, if we, if we talk about the miniseries, I will just say Exterminator is also fucking rocks. Oh, like, Exterminator's fucking rules uh, is so fun. No consequences on anything, <laughs> which is why it is great. Like, it's just a really cool, it's maybe the only, uh, the only book in the series that I would, like, give to someone who has never read any like any of the modern x-men comics and you can just read this like it's just a fun romp yeah it it deserves 40 issues like (laughs) (laughs) i think we should run down some of the limited series and do like like that one sentence lower reviews sabertooth incredible read it if you like the x books um exterminators incredibly fun just 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 a really really fun series um, Sab- Sabretooth and the Exiles is a sequel to the Sabretooth one, so that's sort of covered. Also fucking incredible. Yeah. Uh, Bishop War College. Any more Didn't thoughts? Didn't read it. 
<laughs> it's 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 fine. It's yeah. It's it should have been a bishop tempo book. Um, it did, they, bishop and tempo's plot was way better than what the war college kids were up to on the side. They're fighting Fenris. It never matters when you're fighting Fenris. Yeah, it's it tries to do quite a few things and it does some of them. It feels like it needed 15 issues for what was going on with Bishop and Tempest, and it only got half of five, you know? Mm -hmm. And there was so much interesting shit going on with specifically Tempest's powers and how it interacts with Bishop's history and Bishop's experience with trying to, like, mess with timelines versus Tempest kind of being given to the chance to do it the first time I've seen, I think she's done it like in other X Men runs, but I haven't seen Tempest outside of the Krakoan Age. So yeah, too too much to fit in five issues, probably. You can take Surge and, and armor out of this one, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> um, Rogue and Gambit. This is not one that I read. Yeah, I read the first three issues, I think, and then I dropped it. Like, it just didn't feel like it was building up <laughs> to anything. I think, I think it only has I mean, I read it up to the right point now, where, right? yeah, exactly. Does it still like, have one to go? It, oh, it was, it... I knew she was coming out, and I was like, is this really worth it? Keep reading. I think with the miniseries, I might start waiting until they're all yeah. out, because I get to the fifth issue of each one, and I'm like, wow, this is a lot better than I thought week to week, you know? Like, finish the fifth issue of Leaf of Legion best issue of it fifth issue of bishop's war college best best issue of it where everything was wrapped up and like i'm hoping the same happens oh the fifth issue of mutant lethal legion isn't even out yet but i'm hoping the same can be said yeah. i mean the fourth Rogue issue is the fourth issue of newton mutants so lethal legion <laughs> there's so many titles that it's like say the shit five times fast i cannot sorry there's gonna be a ton of a ton of five-issue miniseries in Fall of X. Like, I think, like, half of them are. So that's that's one of the parts where I'm, like, a bit concerned. Like, my my general feelings to uh, towards Fall of X is, gonna, is that X-Men Red and Immortal are gonna bang. And um, the main X-Men series is still gonna be good. The other series, Jerry Duggan writes... Uh, that is uncanny avengers it's probably gonna be good and the nightcrawler uh, miniseries the 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 uncanny spider-man yeah i like i think i think those are the ones that i'm looking forward to it and everything else uncanny spider-man's gonna kick ass um to finish up the miniseries bit uh these weren't announced as miniseries at the time but because they got cancelled at five issues each they are effectively miniseries which is Knights of X and Betsy Braddock, Captain Britain, uh, both by Teeny Howard, con effectively continuing um, her Excalibur run uh, and wrapping it up. Uh, my thoughts on these are that we get some great gay rep turning subtext into text. Um, I'm I'm partial. Rachel taking Ascani as a name on again, also a huge win. Yeah. I feel like it's a big win for like law heads about Captain Britain and Captain Britain side characters. It's it its appeal may be less if you if you don't care about Otherworld. I love Otherworld. It's one of the first X things I read. Uh, so like the expansion of Otherworld and journeying through it has a lot of intrinsic appeal to me that it doesn't for everyone. 
Um, and with these two five-issue ones, you can really, really feel that they were shortened to fit in five issues so much. Yes, yeah, absolutely. The last, Especially the back two like issues Bessie. of both of them, like issue five of both of them, rather than being the best of them, feels like Marvel told Teeny Howard, you gotta wrap this up now, or that's it. And well, and Teeny Howard, you can clearly tell, has a lot of love for specifically Betsy. Like, oh, absolutely. I don't think um, Excalibur takes um, the direction it ultimately ends up going, especially after Apocalypse leaves, without that love. But, like, personally on that team, I think Betsy Braddock is the most boring character of the group. I love literally everyone else running around, and I, th- I, th- I think there's so many great, incredible character moments and i was losing my mind when rachel and and um betsy finally like kiss but i just like i i'm i'm never gonna personally give that much of a shit about a flag (laughs) character like i the only one i think i am making an exception for is sunspot because he doesn't count sunspot's great he's different he's he like the way marvel has treated japan it it is not the same (laughs) you know (laughs) Oh, am I getting Sunspot mixed up with a different... I'm getting yeah, Sunfire. Sunfire. Yeah, about Sunfire. Yeah. <laughs> Sunspot. I've also fucking Firestar I called Sunspot earlier, too. It or, is confused. Uh, it is, like... There's there's, there's too many... There's so many fires. I, maybe, maybe one that was right. There is too many mutants. Yeah. There's too many mutants. <laughs> and like... any male mutant with firepower should have dated Iceman at some point and it hasn't happened mm-hmm. with any of them and that's confusing to me too. I just wanted to get that out yeah. there. I my my relationship to like Teeny Howard's Excalibur and then its sequels are that I thought Excalibur like I post Apocalypse, post Axe of Swords I I grew incre- increasingly bored and confused. <laughs> shall we say? And uh, by the time we got to Knights of X, I started it, and then it just felt like such a chore to keep up with everything that's happening. Like, it felt... It was just so much. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, as as you said, Holly, like, it was... It felt like it was rushed into five issues, so I didn't end up finishing that. I learned about the Rachel thing, I'm happy about it, but as... I also don't super care about Betsy Braddock uh, Captain Britain I my favorite character is the niece in that the little yeah, she's, she's just great. like super she's... smart but also absolutely a child in a way that I haven't seen balanced in any other story yeah. and I thought I think that's like the most like the thing I want to say Teeny Howard like hit the nail on the head with is with that character balancing that and not like making her annoying mm. like yeah, she's so great, many kid characters that are also geniuses are just annoying. I I also love the what Braddock is it the is it Jamie uh, Jamie yes Brian Jamie is Braddock the, yeah, yeah Jamie, is Jamie is also yeah. great. His his mutant name I think is Monarch. Huh. Yeah, great. But I mean I like Betsy as a supporting cast character. I just don't like I don't like that she's like I don't care that she's Captain Britain. I, I like her more as, like, a mutant, you know? I mean, it is like, hard to care about a Captain Britain. Do, do you like her more as Psylocke? <laughs> um, I'm not gonna say that. I definitely don't. 
it is interesting to know that she was Captain Britain before she was any of all that shit, too. Like, there's, like, yeah. a few issues in, like, the early days of Captain Britain where I believe she's the character for several of the issues and Brian's doing, like, fuck all. Mm. <laughs> As Brian tends to do. One thing with uh, Betsy, like, the Betsy series was it was, like, there's, like, three or four pages per issue just dedicated to, like, Britain's annoyed that Betsy is the captain. Like, people in Britain are <laughs> yeah. annoyed. And then there's, like, another couple of pages that are just dedicated to, like, Rachel and Betsy being cute together, which is great. But it was also, like, then when it's, like, trying to stuff it all into five issues, it was, Yeah, like, there's not really there's... space for the politics of, like, a modern England and the politics of Otherworld to blossom on the page at the same time with everything else that's going on, you know? And so, like, you kind of have to stop caring about some segments of the story unfortunately to keep track of it all Tini Howard is also American and this I'm not saying that only a British person should write Captain <laughs> Britain or whatever but I, I do think it like I, I'm not sure she has like a grasp on like British or particulars of British politics and political like sensibilities like it just doesn't feel authentic well, there's like British. no space for the British politics yeah. on the page either like like i wouldn't personally say i have any fucking clue what's going on over the ocean you know or that i would be able to do any sort of thing like that but like um i know that like all i've seen in that book itself is is for the most part them just being like well no mutants in england um also we don't like you captain britain and that's like the extent of the depth of the politics and <laughs> that's it <laughs> You all seem excited for Uncanny Spider-Man. Do we want to bamf our way over to Legion of X? <laughs> sure. I, I wasn't very I wasn't very excited about Legion of <laughs> X by the time it ended, but like I'll I'll, I'll always like a, a Nightcrawler thing. So. They just never figured out the no cops deal. They never got it. I feel like it never. Like they never figured out what the Legion of X. I mean, this is the main like. the, the the main reason why I'm excited for Uncanny Spider-Man is also why I didn't like Legion of X. Like, I think I think Uncanny is going to be a return to form for Sizeperia because because uh, he's gonna be like focused on one focused character. on one character again. Yeah, and it's gonna take place in New York, um, because the whole like. Legion Mind Palace thing is a really cool visual, but it's, it's incredible visual. Yeah. <laughs> but it's very hard to wrap your head around, and when it like jumps between four locations and nine different yeah. plots, yeah, it's Legion of X has so much going on in every issue. I think we're complaining about the same thing in several of the books. It's just they have too much going on. They don't give the given the space that they need you know but like legion of x is like exemplary of that sorry to interrupt you Holly. no 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 problem i think you're right i think legion of x does really give the space that legion needs um in the book yeah uh but the cast is bigger than legion um it's yeah yeah it's, we get we get in way of x when the focus is just legion and nightcrawler yeah. it works so much better I haven't been a fan so far of how Cyspuria has written Nightcrawler. Um, to me, uh, Nightcrawler has been far too Catholic 
in this run far too far too cop like uh i like i like my nightcrawler a little slutty i like i like my nightcrawler a little more piratey and that is what we're being promised with uncanny spider-man so i look forward uh a thing that i didn't mention in my history was uh there was like a single volume of random x-men that one of my friends had that i read like 20 times and it literally it starts with uh rachel and uh nightcrawler in the danger room doing pirate adventure stuff (laughs) and and like flirting with each other um so for a long time that was my only conception of those two characters and (laughs) i really liked them as that that's the good stuff and, yeah that's the good nightcrawler content yeah absolutely i love um, pirate nightcrawler i mean i also love guilty catholic nightcrawler i think there's a lot <laughs> of interesting stuff going on in there and i think like the reason nightcrawler ultimately like fails to make a system of of like crisis counselors that are not cops <laughs> is because he has such a long history of being a catholic and being a cop you know and so like the failure in that book is interesting, but it's hard to read a fucking book about a process failing, you know? Um, and I think that's the big a big problem with Legion of X. I do... There's so many great character moments in it, though. Like, um, Uncle 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 Juggernaut and, and Nephew Legion, great moments. Where, the, like, Juggernaut is like, yeah, my stepbrother's a dick. I'm sorry he's your dad. <laughs> and... Forget Me Not is a great character as well that I was really excited to to get introduced to for the first time. Lots lots of fun with Forget Me Not in that one. Um, and you know, whenever you were introduced to him, you're introduced for, to him for the first time. So true. <laughs> His tragic romance too was very cute. With um, I forget her name. Was it was it Dust? The uh, Jen something yeah she's the new character yeah. who oh. can levitate oh uh, oh that? yes i can't i can't Gen remember the powerless not powerless something like that weaponless weaponless gen oh not weaponless. no, that's, that's no i'm problem. thinking of um i just look up the team yeah <laughs> yeah i can't remember her name weaponless she is... got like the long arms yeah yeah uh, yeah she has long limbs oh lost Lost. Yes, lost. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I lost her name. <laughs> yeah, but lost and forget me not. I ship them. I'm about it. <laughs> it's good stuff. And then the only other one we have to talk about, we've got, we've got we, two. We skipped over. We have Immortal and Red. Yeah, the 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 two the two the series we have clear bias towards. <laughs> <laughs> with good reason. Yeah, with we good said. <laughs> We mentioned uh, Immortal Hulk and The Wicked and Divine for being, like, formative books Yeah, to several of us. You know, we got... Uh, I've never we, read we The Wicked and Divine. I, I, you I, should, I, oh, you're gonna love gonna it. going to be fresh for me. I'm excited, yeah. You're Ugh. gonna be, like, sitting down and, like, reading it all in one go. Like, I, I was... I have six hours to sit today, <laughs> so I'm interested then. I, 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 oh, I literally, like... I didn't cancel social, but like I was like not leaving the house like <laughs> while while reading that like it's just uh, it's just really I've, well. I have busted. a little pile of like floppies here, like random single issues, and like half of them are wicked and yeah. online because it was like one of the only books I I used. I was doing an internship in 2016, and I would just walk over after after work and grab grab the new issue of Wicked and Divine from the comic shop and nothing else. 
Sorry to interrupt, but do you call the the paperback issues the single issues? You call them floppies? Yeah, is that that's like a that's incredible. I've, that's a I've great that forum. I've only seen that online, like I because I'm never talking to anyone in person about comics. So yeah, Immortal X Men then. Immortal X Men. It's this is it's really cool. Yeah, so this is this is Quiet Council focus. Uh, this starts with Destiny of X. Immortal X-Men issue one is sort of like what kicks off the Destiny of X era in in some ways. Um, and it's... It's uh, kind of the main X-Men book. Like, not the... Uh, oh, yeah. Jerry yeah. Duggan's X-Men is confusingly named X-Men, but Immortal X-Men is the one that drives the main plot of Krakoa forward. Yeah. It's um, it's sort of what it's it's the central spoke. The rest is sort of revolving around uh, for 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 this point in in uh, in X history, and it's great. Banger after banger, in my opinion, uh, we get character focus issues for like the first four. Uh, Exodus gets a real backstory with like compelling motives. Uh, Right as we dive yeah, I into have no a fucking clue what his deal is beyond the Krakoan age. I'm excited to learn about Exodus. If, someday. Yeah, <laughs> if, if you've read the Immortal X Men issue that focuses on Exodus, you you have Exodus's deal. Like, oh, okay. ge- genuinely, okay. he has very little backstory beyond that. Like, th- this is possibly more character development than he's received in years. Like. His main thing previously has just been being a devotee to other things. And again, that's something that's covered in Immortal X-Men. Um, it gets... It's been derailed. I don't know if I'd say derailed. It's moved into two crossover events in this time. And I'd say has still consistently been pretty good through it. Um I think it, it probably helps that Baron Gillen is the, the oh, one yeah, the architect in charge of, of those yeah. crossover events. He's he knows what he's doing. Yeah, Kieran like, Gillen came back to Marvel after like a longer break where he did Wiktiv, and he basically got like he gave, he basically became a bit of the Hickman of Destiny. Like, yeah, he, he he took over from like Inferno where Hickman left and like picked up on all the things that he put down like he picked up on the on the Moira uh, thing on the thing that that Hickman has Hickman has been building with building that De- with uh, with uh, with destiny um like he 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 picked up all of that and then like with uh, with judgment day tied it together with his own eternals run mm. in a way that I thought was really cool Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. In a way I, that I really made, like, like both so. the X-Men side and the Eternal side of that issue feel central and important. Technically, the Avengers are also there. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they're there. Because they were living the in Avengers the are involved. of a god. Yeah. Because they're idiots. Because they cannot make a good decision for themselves, the Avengers. From what I heard <laughs> is that the... Jason Aaron Avengers run that was going on at that time was like at a really bad place, a really uninteresting place. Oh, was it? I have no. I, I know I a lot no of people hated of what was that. Going on. Yeah, I all I see so about it is to like, put yourself in a godhead. As your he base. just does weird epic stuff like 
the phoenix is you know like ghost rider was riding a planet around or something like he was planetary ghost rider that sounds like a jason aaron beat yeah or like um you know phoenix is inside echo and also is like thor's mom or maybe (laughs) that was wrong but, I, this is purely based just, on titles. I don't think Phoenix is in Echo anymore because Echo has a new title with Daredevil. Yeah, no, I think it, that that all yeah. got wrapped up with like I don't know, I think oh. it was like they they went to fight Mephisto in Hell or something. I think the Phoenix should only be in a mutant. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, but in in, yeah. in in Judgment Day, it it's really like the Avengers part. Really, bad. it was just they were involved. Uh, I thought what Kieran Gillen did with Tony Stark was really cool. Yes. Uh, like I, I, I really loved the, uh, the one, sh- the the one tie-in or the one, the one chapter that was from, uh, from Tony's POV. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, yeah, it was more like an X and, uh, more like the X and the E part of AXE. I think like a lot of the little tie-ins for, acts like worked really well for me as well. Just yeah. like seeing people get judged and like having little bits like there's a spider-man one as well it's surprisingly good yeah good, i thought oh the yeah. cyclops getting judged panel rules it's only my wife can judge me <laughs> and also professor x's <laughs> yeah. judgment was also really good the which one the professor x one where oh uh, my god yeah that's, they show up as legion really and he doesn't fucking look at legion <laughs> yeah he doesn't notice being judged. Daredevil is being judged, and uh, he gets the thumbs down, and he's like, "Yeah, I must continue suffering." That's just like <laughs> crying, but it's also raining, so you can't tell he's crying. Yeah. Anytime Daredevil, Daredevil's secret power is that every time it he cries, he makes it rain. <laughs> I've seen a, I've seen a, I've seen a panel with uh, with Kieran Gillen and Ewing from a couple of years back that was. At the point where they were already hired to do uh, to do Red and Immortal, but they wasn't they weren't able to tell it yet. But uh, they they it was very obvious that they were already making like thinking about that. And in that, Kieran Gillen says at one point that the biggest character he has never written is probably Daredevil, and he don't doesn't think he has anything to say. He 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 said I don't think I don't have I have anything to say about Daredevil. And that one panel, I feel like yeah, that's him being. This is all I have to say about this character. <laughs> I mean, I mean, and it's a good thing to perfect. say about the character. I think uh, outside of the big crossovers, like, the the individual issues that just, like, focus on one character and give their their whole deal in one issue and also do something compelling with it, they're just, like, so good. It's just... Absolutely. Every time you open it up and you're like, oh, who's it about this time? Yay! Every Colossus moment is heartbreaking. Like, he's just got no self-control right now because he's being controlled by... What's the writer's name? The author, maybe? I think he's just the yeah. writer or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, it's like his older brother, right? Who yeah, his older yeah, brother yeah. makes the writer it's control It's so him. fucked. It is very fucked. And he... Kieran Gillen is almost doing Benjamin Percy a little, Percy a little dirty in that issue because he uses <laughs> the author controlling Colossus thing as a framing device that in one issue just like gets so much out of it 
that like in 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 the Percy run is just like petering in just a little bit. Like it doesn't feel like Percy really knows what to do yeah. with Colossus, or that Percy's being told to hold off on the Colossus stuff. Maybe I think that might be. I think that is. I think that is part of it. These are great ideas. We need you to slow down. Yeah. I like the bits of that where Colossus is like struggling and trying to do stuff even within the control. And it's like, oh yeah, he's still. He's still trying, he's still fighting, he's just, he can't, like... Well, and from his perspective, he has no clue how or why he's being controlled, either. He just knows he is not in control of himself, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's nasty. I guess he's probably sent shit back to Russia by now, so he probably knows it's coming from Russia. Like, he sends those paintings back somehow, I imagine. Mm. The other thing that is top tier about Immortal, and that kind of probably gets us into... Red? Well, uh, I, I'm trying to think what the logical place is, but I want to say the Destiny and Sinister stuff, the, yes. the long game they're playing, is just incredible stuff. Like, that... I mean, yeah. the Sins of Sinister was a, a great event yes. and i think we should at some point find time to do an episode about it on its own <laughs> that's not a bad idea yeah mm. many of these things i think we should find time to do an episode about maybe <laughs> the, like the way he the way he writes uh destiny and um mystiques tragic romance is like that one i think it's the destiny pov issue which is i think the third or something like it's really early in the run it's just so heartbreaking absolutely again read that this afternoon and yeah it just kicks ass like it's in in that it's cool and also it kicks your ass because it's (laughs) it hurts yeah the reveal that like destiny and mystique have been playing a hand in this entire thing even before charles and magneto um because destiny is like blackmailing moira at the beginning you know like it was such a good reveal and like the way they've carried it through to later parts of the story with like Mystique and Destiny finally being reunited and them having to figure out what that relationship is after Mystique has clearly changed a bunch from all of the time they've spent apart and also Destiny has changed a bunch by coming back to a world she no longer recognizes but one she knew was gonna happen mm-hmm. um and so they've got yeah. all that shit to figure out on their own and then on top of that Destiny is like yeah but I also I have to be the one steering this nation. You don't understand, because I know what's going to happen. And so I have to send our daughter out on missions, and I have to manipulate the council, and you have to trust me, but I will not tell you what's going on. It's like a lot to ask of other people to begin with. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And a, a big plot point leading into Fall of X here is that Destiny appears to have lost some of that clear sight of the future in the wake of Sins of Sinister, as well as some of the trust of Mystique so what was once a uh, clear, if dubious, hand on the on on the rudder steering Krakoa into the future is much less clear and being handed over to much more dubious people. Um, also, Storm is there, but not very often. We have been going a long time. We should talk about X-Men Red. That'll be it. That'll, that'll finish it out. <laughs> Uh, X-Men Red is, like, my favorite X-Men, my favorite X-Men comic ever, maybe? Like, it just, every single issue, it's perfect for me, It goes basically. so hard, like, like, 
It's so good. Like the there's there's like five separate issues that are like my favorite issues of comics. Like the uh, axe crossover with like everyone struggling against the weapons. Like the the three conversations about death. Like even just the first issue, it was so cool. Just storm, you know, no thrones on Araco and the um we we gotta form the Brotherhood. And it's just like the the reveal that the X Men X Men Red is not who this book is about. Like that's that's yeah. Abigail's that's Brand's uh, X Men. And this is and they're the bad guys. We don't we don't want them. This is a series that does that perfectly, does the exact thing perfectly we have been critiquing with a bunch of these other series is that there's this uh, pretty big cast of characters like there's the brotherhood and then there's brand's team and we get so much for each of these characters like the obvious the storm and magneto stuff is great but then sunspots like moments of like geniusing uh, of of like figuring shit out and like playing uh playing Iska the unbeaten to 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 his own advantage shit like that oh yeah to get Magneto to win the tournament yeah then we have on the other side like just you know Cable and Brand just like get so much uh, and so Wiz much good Kid. stuff and Whiskid yeah like the the there's there's so many like characters and there are a bunch of new characters who are introduced in ways like that really work and like I think that's often a problem with X-Men comics because there's so many mutants that there's like new new characters being introduced all the time and it doesn't often work as well as it should. And I think every little character introduced in X-Men Red just is is given a very natural and good introduction. And then sometimes they only show up for a few panels, but like you're excited when they do. Um, like, uh, even like Kobach Neverheld, who's like in Sword and challenges Storm and is actually the first time that they do the you weren't there thing, um, which is a re- recurring thing, theme of, you know, you, you weren't there, you weren't at the, you, you weren't there at the war, but the X-Men, they were somewhere, they were fighting their own wars, they were doing their own stuff. Um, and then like him just coming back to be like, yeah, yeah, Roberto, I get what you're going. Like we, we've both, both been through stuff and then just being like hot tub pals for the, (laughs) like the most recent issue. It's just like, yeah, yeah. This is just a guy who's like, I don't think he's ever going to be like the focus of a, oh, he he probably will be at some point, but like. (laughs) He's 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 not like a, a main character, but he's just a guy who shows up, and it's like, ah oh yes, this guy, I like this guy, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of that. It's and, funny that all the fire powered characters are slowly ending up in X Men Red because <laughs> their powers are stronger on Mars. Like, yeah, it, Sunfire moved to Mars because of his powers specifically. They mention, I believe, in his Sun- ra- in his. No, I'm talking about Sunfire yes, and Sunspot yeah. this time. Oh, okay. They're both on Mars. They mentioned that in X-Men, and then he shows up in a couple issues of Red, and then Sunspot's there, and then Vulcan is also there fucking around. Yeah. Um, so, something I think X-Men Red does really well uh, is this juggling of all these different things, because it picks up 
these threads, sometimes from across the Marvel Universe, but the two main things that it picks up are these threads from from Sword, which is Ali Wing's previous series in the in the X books here, um, and from X of Swords, or Ten of Swords, whichever you prefer, which is the whole mutant nation of Araco, which previously, like, they get a good introduction, they get a lot of good stuff, like, they were pretty popular from the bat, but in terms of how it represents, like, their culture, like, broadly, when they're initially introduced, you can boil them down to, like, they're sort of the Klingons of mutants. They they just care about war. Uh, and then in X-Men Red, Ali Wing Every Issue is tying these characters, especially Storm, especially Magneto, into this culture of Arako and showing by their reactions, by how they're changing as characters, what this society is and what this society values. So, like, a huge thing, um, what, like, six issues in, uh, is that you get the importance of death to the culture of Arako, and how not being afraid of a life that ends is something so fundamental to their culture that they have a seat of loss for when they lose battles, which, on its, like, that's, that's a huge expansion of this idea, and it's great. And it leads into this thing of for Storm and Magneto to claim seats on the Great Ring. They can't just be powerful warriors. They have to be able to die. And that's something they have to give up. They give up immortality for a place in this culture. And that leads to Magneto's tragic end in the uh, Axe crossover event. Um, and also the Hour of Magneto, just the coolest goddamn issue. Uh, Magneto's like the only main cast character to die the entire time the Age of Krakow has been happening. And so it's like the most yeah. impactful death we've seen in such a long time. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's Magneto, of course it's impactful. <laughs> you know, he's, gonna, he's gonna be back eventually. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they bring him back. That's comics, baby. The Whenever the next stage starts, <laughs> yeah. he's coming back immediately. Well, there's the waiting room. Like he, Yeah, he can if, come back if, if he wants to. Yeah. If he, if he feels there's a need... He said he wasn't going to the waiting room, though. That's true. He can come back whenever, yeah. but he said that he was going to try for real heaven with his real, real Christian heaven. <laughs> not, not, neither yeah. him nor his daughter are Christians, but they're going yeah. for it. You know, the X-Men Red 50, whenever Krakoa has stopped existing for, you know, a year, and then uh, it's the, the grand finale. We'll, we'll get Magneto back to... And it'll be sick, and it'll work. <laughs> when like... when Smance Morrison starts writing, <laughs> I would be I would be surprised for Red to go on like really long, just because El Ewing is gonna start Immortal Thor like next month. Yeah, I'm gonna guess it's got like twenty issues in it. I and think so. Yeah. Around there. Yeah. I mean, maybe another twelve or something like. Well, maybe they'll hand it off to another writer, but... Like, I don't think so. I don't know. It's so good, though. The wrong slide stuff, incredible. That issue is one of my favorite issues of comics to come out in so long. When he explains his, like, will to Sunspot, yeah. one of the most impactful things I've read in a long time. See, I, I think um, with 
Kieran Gillen saying he's 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 only halfway done with his yeah. like immortal mm. run. I would kind of imagine they would have similar lengths. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, like maybe thirty-ish, yeah. maybe oh, yeah. around there. Um, but I also would like him to just get two hundred issues, <laughs> of which course, won't happen and never never will happen. But um, but yeah, he's he's doing Immortal Thor and he's doing. Secret Avengers or um, some type of Avengers. Avengers Inc. Avengers, <laughs> Avengers Inc. Inc. Yeah, that's an the ongoing one. that's yeah. starting. But he's also doing. Um, ah, there's some other. I think he's doing some limited series, but I can't remember. I have a final word on X Men Red, which is uh, to to use a Star Trek comparison once more. To me, X Men Red is the Deep Space Nine of the X Men comics right now. It's using so many concepts that have been like picked up and bringing them into its own little world like Arako, much like deep space nine just focuses on this planet it struggles it gives these characters which could just be like sort of a, a, a one-off villains or like a crossover event thing happening like a the, the the big the big finale of X of Swords is like Arako coming to Earth and then it gets taken to Mars and that could have been where it ended and you just have this little piece of Marvel lore that's like oh yeah by the way Mars is full of like mutants who love war and that could have been left there like so many things are in comic books there's just great ideas that are left there but X Men Red like puts its deep space nine in orbit around it it's its sword station goes there and comes back to these ideas of the culture of Arako and deepens them partly just by giving them more like time on the page and partly by writing them really well and giving them compelling stories tying into the arcs of these main characters it's 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 very interesting as well that like brand is there as sort of as uh, her understanding of Arako culture is what it was in the comics until X-Men Red started like she's just like yeah they're they're all just they respect power they're they just want to fight like and then when she shows up and doesn't doesn't try to understand them and doesn't try to like learn how to use their language so to speak like that's her part of her downfall is she, she fails because she doesn't she tries to talk over them she tries to talk for them and storm and magneto and sunspot are willing to go and talk with them yeah, and yeah. like actually learn what's what's going on with them yeah brand is it's a like, fascinating i i think i think the 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 dual like two like head or like the blockbuster titles being like immortal and red just works really beautifully uh like i think kim gill and Ed ewing are also the best at including stuff from other writers into their series in a way that works really organic like i noticed this in immortal hulk that whenever the avengers showed up or whenever the um when like Amadeus Cho showed up, like whenever characters from, uh, whenever he pulled in characters from like other runs, it always felt like really organic mm. and like 
you really understood it. And of course, in, in Immortal, we have that with, you know, all the POV characters. So I think that's a good, like, mm-hmm. anchor for what Krakoa is. That's why I'm not, like, worried that Fall of X is gonna flop or anything, as long as these two yeah. series keep running on. I think once once Kieran Gillen leaves, and uh, who knows what a Ewing will do, I think Marvel is gonna have to pull, like, pull in something really interesting to like pull in pull some big moves to keep the x-men being interesting because you know having had hickman first like hickman is a name that will always get people interested uh, ewing and kieran gillen are names that will get people interested i don't know how they can keep it going post post immortal so we'll see We'll see. But at least for fall, I am excited for uh, for this journey. Okay, I think we're gonna cut conversation about the books there, mostly because <laughs> I had to go an hour ago. Yeah. Um. And can you guys all tell us one more time who you are and maybe where people can find you? And also, I'm wondering, is Magneto right? <laughs> I, th- I think that's someone else's. Is that another podcast thing? I think. I don't know if it is. I thought of it just now. So <laughs> okay, well then, it's, it's we'll try. Now. All uh, right, Ki- Kiwi, do you want to start? Uh, I'm Kiwi. You can't find me on the internet because I don't. Uh, my Twitter's private, and I've never, never tweeted anything. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna be on this, I guess. Uh, oh, and, yeah. yeah, I think I think Magneto might have been right sometimes. Um. My name is Holly. Uh, I'm also I'm a permanent lurker on the internet, so uh, unfortunately you won't be able to find me either. In place of plugging myself, I will plug the most recent book I've been reading, which is called The Jakarta Method. Um, I think if you're interested in the history of the Cold War, especially how it relates to third world countries, you'd love it. Who knows if that will intersect with any of the audience of this podcast, but I thought I'd give it a shot. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm Janos. You can find me. I, I will be brave and tell, me, tell you where to find me, which is at Corrupt Version on Twitter. You can also check out my other podcasts, uh, Who Watches the Watch, which is a Discworld book discussion podca- podcast, and A Song of Babies and Puppies, which is about the A Song of Ice and Fire books. So check those out. Can I plug Janosch's uh, Discord podcast as well? I think it's really funny. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, please I've, do. I've been listening to that for the last week. Uh, I'd like to also state that I'm I'm a coward for job reasons. I, I don't need kids finding out that I do anything apart from teaching. <laughs> <laughs> I liked the uh, Discworld TV show that recently came out The Watch and I loved listening to Janos uh, destroy it <laughs> on the podcast we were so fair uh, to it at the beginning and then it took such a nose dive the first like three episodes were pretty alright yeah. and then it's an awful show so I don't yeah. anyways I'm Nick um, you can find me at Nick R. Vern on well, whatever social media but mostly Twitter um, and you where you can read the stories that I write and draw, but they're not comics, they're storyboards. Um, and that's going to be, I think, the end of Hated and Feared this week. Uh, what are we going to do next episode? When are we When are we coming back? It's two weeks, I believe, our plan. Yes, in two weeks, and we're going to talk about 
uh, the Before the Fall issues that are out, and if the Hellfire Gala is out by then, we'll talk about Hellfire, but I don't think it is. No, yet. it's no, still it's, a month it's, until it's Hellfire, not. but there's gonna have been... Okay. There's gonna be, I think that's a good plan if we talk about the four Before the Fall issues. Yeah. Um, I mean, I already have a lot to say about the Legion Nightcrawler one, <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah. About Sons of X. Yeah. Alright. So, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, please subscribe and rate us on your podcatchers. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. I am my father's daughter in the end. He says, watch your ego, watch your head, girl. You're so smart, so talented, but now the water's turning red, and it's all your fault, and it's all your mess, and you're all alone. You can't go to bed too high on your adrenaline. You gotta go somewhere where you can't pretend or forget the rules or forget your friends, just you and your reflection. Cause nothing's gonna be the same again. No, nothing's gonna be the same again.